I remember many years ago I was, I was driving in a rural area of Kentucky that I was not familiar with. And uh, the country roads there are not straight like they are in Nebraska. You know how in Nebraska most of the country roads are like built on, like a pan, cut like a pound of brownies, you know? But, but there they just sort of wind and turn and, and, and the more I drove, the, the loster I got. And, uh, and it was dark and it was cold and I got really lost. Uh, so... Uh, and really, the, the, obviously, this was way before uh, cell phones, uh, GPS, and uh, I remember eventually I came up to a highway. I was, at the time, I wasn't even sure what highway this was or where it would go, but I, I took it, and I eventually was able to t- track my way back. Uh, and let me tell you, the thing I found out is it's, it's way worse getting lost at night. Uh, it's a lot scarier when you get lost in the dark. Darkness, that's why darkness is a symbol of the unknown. Night represents threat. Darkness is a symbol also of ignorance and evil. And that's why light also becomes a symbol of knowledge and hope Light speaks of God's revelation come to it. It speaks of God's protection over us. Today we continue our series on the Psalms called Honest to God. Uh, We've got three more Psalms after today, and so that will carry us through the the rest of the month. Uh, Today I'm going to ask you, if you would, to uh, uh, look up a psalm with me in your your pew Bible, or if you brought your Bible, uh, Psalm 27. It's on page 550 there. You know, somebody at the first service says, we're trying all these things to not be touched, but we're using these Bibles two, Sundays in, two services in a row. We didn't think of that. So I would say if you want to bring your own Bible or use it on your phone, then that would be a great safety thing. And, of course, afterwards, if you want to, you know, disinfect, wash your hands or use the sanitizer, that would be good too. All right. So, and also, if you don't have a Bible at home, uh, after worship, <coughs> you can uh, find a free Bible at the Connection Center next to the elevator. And if you're saying, okay, where do I start reading? Well, you might look up Psalm 27 we're talking about today. Read it again later today. And if you want to read even more, I would suggest starting at the beginning of the New Testament. And there you'll find the first biography about the life, life of Jesus written by one of his disciples named Matthew. And uh, just kind of start in. And um, also, um, feel free to skip over the genealogy at the beginning, okay? Don't don't get bogged down with that. All right. Uh, And and if you've been here for other Sundays uh, in this series, I hope that you are gaining an appreciation for the Psalms. You know, the book of Psalms is the songbook of the Bible. We don't have the music, but we have the lyrics. And, and these would have been the songs that Jesus grew up singing in his boyhood home in Nazareth and in the local synagogue. Last Sunday, we looked at the 23rd Psalm, which opens with the metaphor, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, Psalm 27 opens very similarly with a metaphor, the Lord is my light. And you know, the first six verses of this psalm are filled with a lot of confidence in the Lord, starting with verse 1. 
So let's say it today uh, together. Well, we're going to do it responsively, and I'll put it up on the screen, and you say the words in orange, okay? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Whom shall I fear? Well, the answer to the, um, uh, the implied answer to this rhetorical question is no one. Why? Because you've got the Lord as your light and your salvation in the stronghold of your life. Uh, I mentioned in my Thursday email, maybe not all of you saw it, but if you want to get on that list, just make sure your email's on the card, okay? And uh, anyway, um, I mentioned there that I have often recited this verse to myself. In times of, of stress, anxiety, whatever, and it's been very reassuring to me. And, and it reminds me that God is bigger than any anxiety or worry or whatever it is that I'm facing. The Lord is my light. That means that God will faithfully guide me through the unknowns of life. Do you need someone to guide you through the unknowns of life? I think we all do because there are a lot of unknowns, a lot of uncertainties. And when we say the Lord is my salvation, you know, that word salvation in the Old Testament uh, isn't, isn't so much about kind of eternal life and, as, as it is in the New Testament. It's, it's more about God coming to our rescue right now in this life. It means that God is, is keeping you alive in threatening times. And then it says, uh, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. What's a stronghold? Well, it means um, it's a fortress, okay? It's a, it's a high-walled city of protection because, you know, if the, if the town or village you lived in did not have walls, then you were more open to, th to the threat of attack. But this was a great technical, technological advantage is if you had a, a, a walled city, then you had pr protection from enemies that would, would come against you. And he's saying, the Lord is like that for me. I count the Lord as my strong protector, just like these walls that surround the city. Now, obviously, the psalmist knows that death will happen. Uh, but the psalmist can also look back at all the times when he or she could have died from illness or injury or in battle and didn't. And so they're giving God credit for keeping me alive up to this point. And this confession, this statement, is a vaccine to fear. It's a vaccine to fear. Let's say it again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Uh, you know, the rhetorical questions in this verse remind me of another verse. This one's in the New Testament. It's Romans 8.31. I love this. It says, If God is for us, who can be against us? Let's say this one together, shall we? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, does this mean no harm can come to me? No, that's not what it means. Because just a few verses later in Romans 8, it talks about all the things that can happen. That we can face tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, 
or nakedness, which I, I take it to mean not having enough clothes to keep you warm, or danger or sword, which means death by the sword. And to that list, we can add a whole bunch of things that, that threaten us today. Unemployment, disability, tornado, cancer, coronavirus. Romans 8 says, hold on, because nothing, none of these things, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love in Christ. That is something you can take home no matter what's happening. Now, in your Bible, let's look at verse 2, shall we? The psalm writer gives us the first threatening scenario and a response of faith. Uh, it says, When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and foes, my foes who will stumble and fall. For example, if, if the Assyrian army is sending a, a raiding party against you, and you, you know they're, they're planning to eat you alive, not literally, of course, God will make it so they get the punishment that was intended for you. That's what the psalmist is, is counting on. And in verse 3, we see a similar threat in response of faith. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be what? Confident. You know, when an army besieges your, your high-walled, fortified city, it means that they have camped around the perimeter and they are going to try to block anybody or anything from coming in and out and they're going to try to starve you out. And that's the way that they're going to try to defeat you. And they are prepared to stay for years if that's what it takes. They've got their supply lines going and you don't. And that's what happened when Hezekiah was king of Judah. Uh, the Assyrians had already conquered all the other smaller towns and villages in, in Judah. And, and now they come to Jerusalem, this high-walled, fortified city. And the Assyrians set up a siege around the perimeter. And uh, they even sent a letter from their Assyrian king to King Hezekiah telling him... Your God, Yahweh, is not going to do, do you any good now. And when Hezekiah received that letter, he went to the temple to pray. And he spread out that letter. The Bible says he spread out that letter before the Assyrians. So I can see it's, maybe it's kind of folded up or crumpled up a little bit. And he, he spreads it out. Saying like, look at this, God. See what they say. And his prayer says, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. And that night, in the Assyrian camp, around the walls of Jerusalem, thousands of Assyrians died mysteriously. We don't exactly know what happened. But by the next morning, the Assyrian army, what was left of it, had packed up and gone home. And I can see the people of Jerusalem singing Psalm 27, celebrating, let's come back to that as our refrain, shall we? One more slide. There we go. 
The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Verse 4, we see that the psalmist's focus is not on troubles, but on God. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Now, dwelling in the temple didn't mean actually living there, but it meant it was, it was a way of talking about returning to the temple often and, and remaining close to the Lord. And I, and I like the phrase, gaze on his beauty. A gaze is different than a glance, isn't it? The gaze says something different. You know, I think for a lot of us, we get so distracted by so many things that all we have time for is a little glance toward God, these little glances. And that, that, that's good too, but... We rarely gaze. And it's talking about not visual glazing, but a kind of a spiritual glazing, uh, gazing. It, it, it means focusing on the presence of God. And when we say that the Lord is beautiful, we're talking about not something we see, but we're talking about His character, His goodness, His faithfulness. His holiness, the things we've been singing about already this morning. And so we can say, based on those things, that the Lord is beautiful. So, where do you put your trust? Where do you put your focus? What, what, do, you, what do you think about and focus on the, the most? Is it, is it the problems that you face, the worries is it the armies surrounding you? Or will you put your focus on God? Psalm, the psalmist says, This only do I seek, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Now, verses 5 and 6 complete the first part of the psalm, and it sounds to me like the kind of testimony uh, King Hezekiah might have delivered, uh, might have given when the, the Lord delivered Jerusalem from the Assyrian siege. It says, for in the day of trouble, and there will be days of trouble, for in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. Uh, and, and that's the temple where Hezekiah went to seek the Lord and to pray. Uh, and, and he says, he will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent. Well, before the temple building, there was a temple tent. And, and set me high upon a rock, then my head will be exalted above my, the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. I can, I can, I'm just trying to imagine this. You know, the celebration when the people of Jerusalem wake up that morning and, and find that the Assyrian threat is gone. They've, they've packed up and left. And, and it reminds me of some of the, the pictures and the video I've seen of uh, uh, people after World War II, and they, they find out the, the victory is won. And, and we're... But in, that, in this section of the psalm, the, uh, the psalmist is in another dilemma and lays out several requests. Here are some of them. 
Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Do not hide your face from me. Do not reject me or forsake me. Teach me your way, Lord. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. So out of the trust that we have in the first six verses, the psalmist confidently lays out uh, the troubles in, this, in the next six verses, kind of like Hezekiah laying out that, that letter from the Assyrian king, that taunting letter. So, how do you and I face each and every crisis in our lives? We do it by putting our focus not on the crisis. We don't ignore the crisis, but we, do, we put our focus upon God. We remind ourselves, let's say it again, our refrain. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And if God is for us, who can be against us? I'd like to invite up my friend uh, James Momani. Uh, James? Yeah. Anyway, uh, James has been uh, coming to this church now for uh, a couple of years, and, and uh, for over a year he's been uh, a part of my men's group and comes when he can, when work allows. So good morning, James. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, James and I got a chance to kind of talk through some of Psalm 27 and how he finds points of connection in his life. And, and part of this psalm is sort of like, how, what do we do when we feel we're facing the enemies of life? Uh, the, the, the way that we're attacked and, and uh, brought down by them. And uh, so, James, wh what's, what's your story? What kind of enemies have you faced in your life like that? Um, so, my main enemy has been uh, alcohol. Mm. Um, I started drinking when I was about seven years old. That's pretty young. Very young. So my grandparents uh, had a, a business. It was a family business brewing a traditional beer. Mm -hmm. And we will be, you know, drinking and uh, doing all of that mm -hmm. uh, from sunrise till uh, sunset. So growing up, you know, I kind of thought, you know, that's what people do. You know, we drink. You know, I see my parents, you know, uh, grandparents. So... I kept on, you know, with a habit. It was a bad habit um, when I was in high school. And where did you live then? Um, so I'm from Kenya, East Africa. Um, I've been in the U.S. for the past 14 years. Yeah. Yep. So my drinking got worse as I kept getting older. You know, I would start drinking like hot liquor, uh, mm -hmm. vodka, open a bottle and you know, I don't even pour, I just drink from the bottle. Mm. So I was doing that every day, you know, wake up, open another bottle, yeah. you know. So I was, you know, it wasn't helping me, things kept getting worse, you know, I was getting angry if things don't go my way, mm. I want to be in control, you know. So police uh, 
were involved, you know, I was sent to jail. Um, every year I was going to jail, every November. Really? You know, yeah. I kind of noticed, like, why is it like every November, December? Huh. You know, I got to deal with the judge, you know. So drinking um, was not helping me. So when I was in jail, a friend of mine uh, gave me a Bible. And um, I was reading that Bible. That's the only thing that I had. Um, doing that, you know, I could read some verses in the Bible and, you know, see that that was me, you know. It's yeah. talking about me. Mm. So I read the Bible. Um, I started going to AA meetings. We had a family Bible study every Saturday. Okay. Um, then I had a therapist because I believed I had some underlying uh, issues uh, with my mental health. So we sat down and went through everything and uh, I saw, you know, what most people didn't see, especially New Year's last year, um, it got worse. So and this is like 14 months ago, right? Yeah. Or so. Yeah. For last year, um, around uh, on the eve of uh, New Year's. Yeah. So that's when I drank and I got wasted. Yeah. And uh, Shari. Uh, and you were at a party? Yeah. Mm hmm so Shari was able to record and show me what I never saw. You mean she took out her phone and... Took out, yeah. And... Took video of you. Took a video. It was a long video, <laughs> you know. What did it, what was on it? Well, what I saw wasn't good. You know, I'm so happy that you can see and knew me. What I was, it was horrible. I was yelling, screaming. I was crying, you know. And there were kids around, you know. Yeah. So... I really felt, you know, this was in the right path, you know. I was in, I was in darkness, you know. They woke you up, didn't they? Yeah, so I saw the light, you know. Mm. And um, they did not run away from me, you know. The person that took the video, you know, I had friends before, but everybody didn't want to be around me. Somebody always complaining, somebody that's always drunk, you know. Yeah. So... I lost a lot of friends, you know, but I've also gained good friends because I saw those friends were not really friends, you know. When I had some issues, they were, they were not there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now, what has God brought into your life? You a lot of things that are maybe shining some light? Yeah, so I've been sober. Uh, it's been 429 days. Yeah. <laughs> Um, one thing, I've been able to uh, mend a relationship that I had destroyed. The second thing, I've been, I had drove for over 10 years without a driver license. You know, no insurance, I'll drive drunk. So I was able to go get a driver license, insure my car for six months, and my job gave me a raise and... Um, you know, things have been really uh, heading the right direction. That's, that's a beautiful story. It is. The Lord is beautiful and he's done great work in your life. Yeah, because I find all the knowledge, you know, in this book. 
I never read a book. I didn't know how to pray, but going to the bi uh, group meetings every Friday, uh, Bible study, you know, he has helped me a lot. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, thank you, James. Uh, if you still have your Bible open, let's look at those last two verses of Psalm 27, shall we? Um, verse 13 brings us back to our confidence in the Lord. It says, I remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, land of the living is a phrase you see sometimes in the Old Testament. It means in this life, all right? So I may be in the thick of troubles <laughs> right now, but I can confidently say that I'm going to see the good God is doing in this life too. It reminds me of uh, Romans 8, 28. It says, I'm going to see uh, God work all things together for good. God's going to be at work working for good even in bad situations. I, I uh, meet with a, a few other pastors once a month. Uh, they're from other denominations. And we get together once a month to pray at Mama's Pizza. <laughs> and we eat, we share, we pray. Uh, and on Wednesday, one of them uh, prayed such a, a, a faith-filled prayer. And I don't think I'm giving away any confidences by sharing this with you. But uh, he prayed that God would even work for good in this coronavirus that it would inspire the creation of new treatments for this coronavirus which would then apply to all kinds of viruses and so he was just like saying God I believe that you are going to be at work in a powerful way even in this moment uh, and this confidence gives us the courage to wait with trust even in times of trouble verse 14 says Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. Now, we don't know when Psalm 27 was written or the occasion for which it was written, but we do know that the Psalms were collected and put in this anthology that we have in our Bible while the Jews were in exile in Babylon and even after they returned to Jerusalem uh, for hundreds of years they they were waiting because they were not free from foreign domination and all this waiting praying and waiting rather than ruining their faith it strengthened it they learned to stay faithful in hard times they learned to wait confidently waiting for the Lord's deliverance you know I think a lot of times that's what faith is it's waiting confidently my brother and sister-in-law live in Fremont and uh, my brother sent me a text yesterday saying that uh, the people of Fremont have been asked to voluntarily quarantine themselves for the next two weeks. We have one person who was planning to be here today, I know, but uh, 
she went to an, uh, an event in Fremont recently, and now she's uh, also doing a, a self-quarantine. Um, and these, these are scary times. And I want to urge you to practice an abundance of caution. But that doesn't mean panic. My mom has been sick with a different kind of virus the last few weeks, and it's kind that lingers on. And, and so because of her compromised health especially, I've, I talked to my dad on the phone yesterday and, and urged them to kind of keep out of circulation for a while if they can. And uh, I made some soup yesterday, and I'm going to be going down this afternoon to take it to them. Um, but uh, I'm not going to be hugging them. I'm not going to give my mom a kiss goodbye on the cheek like I always do. I'm not going to touch them. It's just about this abundance of precaution. And I'm trying to teach myself to not touch my eyes, nose, or mouth, which is really hard, because I have facial itches, itches about 4,000 times a day. And the only thing I can find that help is to, to, to pinch my leg really, really hard. And then I don't feel the itch on my face quite so much, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and starting yesterday, I, I, be, I gave up my handkerchief and started carrying around a little package of tissues. And um, I'm also starting today, I'm carrying a little bottle of sanitizer with me. And just in case, you know, I can't wash my hands someplace, but I feel like, yeah, this would be a good precaution to take. So probably like right before I go into my parents' house today, I'm going to do this again, just as an abundance of precaution. But because I'm a healthy person, unless I'm obviously exposed or get sick, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to hoard supplies. I'm not going to let it ruin my life. And if I get sick, I get sick. God is still with me. My security rests in the Lord. Amen? Amen. So let's say I refrain one more time. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, uh, what a beautiful, powerful thing it is to know that you are caring for us, watching over us. You are strong and powerful. And Lord, we, we don't know what kind of threats will happen. Uh, we don't know what will happen to any one of us. Whether we will face tribulation or persecution or famine or what a virus, Lord, we, we don't know. But we are asking you to be the light that shines to guide us through uncertain times. Because there are so many uncertainties before us. And yet, Lord, we know that we want to walk with you and put our trust in you. We don't want to focus on all of the problems and the worries and the army that surrounds us, Lord. We want to put our focus upon you. 
so that we're not living half a life in fear, but living a full life in faith. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen.